today, my wife Charlotte Gambill has an incredible word called lot factor, particularly for an emerging generation who feel called to leadership and they don't quite know the journey along the way from where they are today to obtaining the future promises that God has for them. I pray that it impacts your life as much as it has our young adults here at Life Church. Let's just pray. Father, I just thank you for your presence. I thank you for this room of people. I thank you for what this represents. God, guide my words because this seed, Lord, I pray, will be planted deep today. God, do something with this message. God, I pray I get out of the way so you can have your way. Thank you, God, for being with us, being on us, being speaking through us. Bless this word. Bless the hearers of this word in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk about something that I have been deeply challenged about as I've studied this week and over the last few weeks been thinking about what this represents. Because in this room today, the age bracket that is represented is such a powerful age bracket. 18 to 30, it seems like it's a large bracket of uh, uh, age band, but in that in the largeness of that age scope, there's so much goes on. In that 18 to 30, it's such a critical stage of your life. Now approaching 41, I can look at that and I think, man, many of the main decisions I've made in my life were in that age bracket that are now shaping not just my life, but my kids' life, the future of our church. That, 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 I can't get that time back. I can't get that season back. And this, this age bracket that this represents is why I'm so excited about this idea that Dave and Abs had to launch this conference. I think God's hands are all over it because this is such an important age bracket, such an important band of people, such a potential. And in this room, you have all the good stuff going for you in this age range. You have a lot of your freedom that you don't have when you have lots of children attached to your legs and life changes and you have more responsibilities. You have freedom, you have resource, you have uh, spare income, some of you. Some of you are like, no, I don't. Well, when, when you have a family, you realize you had spare income when you were eight. The fact that you can think about going out and just having dinner whenever you feel like it or buying that pair of high tops because you feel like it, you have freedom, my friend. Enjoy it while it lasts because there'll be someone in your world not long from now, she may be a female if you're not married yet, that also wants a pair of high tops and you're going to be struggling whether you buy yours or you buy them for her. So enjoy the freedom. You have freedom. You have passion, you have energy, you have this pent-up energy inside of you that is there by the design of God. You have creativity, you have ideas, you have dreams, you have aspirations, you have this amazing space in your life right now that is an incredible gift, and I hope you realize it. You're in a season of incredible power to make some incredible, powerful decisions, Incredible place that you are in in this season of life. And I don't think we think about that often enough. And sometimes we only think about it when we've already moved on. And we're like, man, I wish I'd have realized back then in those decisions, when I stood up in that appeal moment, in that meeting, I wish I'd have realized this was not just a response emotionally. This was significant for my future. I wish, I wish there'd have been an alarm bell that went off to awake me to my senses. And in this great band that you represent, We also have the weakness that goes with the strength. We can be arrogant, think we know it all. 18 to 30, I thought I knew it all. 
thought everybody else had got it wrong and somebody just needed to ask me my opinion and I would put it all straight where we'd all gone wrong. We can be stubborn. We think it's our way or no way and why isn't it done this way and why don't we sing that song in our church and why don't we do this and why don't we have that speaker and why isn't this happening because we have all these opinions and all these ideas and we've yet to funnel them and so they're all kind of out there and so with the strength comes this weakness too that we can be independent and we can be single-minded and we can be kind of like well you know what somebody needs to notice my greatness like anything there's a up and there's a down And I believe that this age bracket is one of the age brackets that the church are in danger of losing. And so I'm sobered by what I'm going to minister this morning. I am appealing to you to help the church. I'm appealing to you to be the answer, not the problem. I'm appealing to you to be wiser than maybe some people think you are. And I'm appealing to you to be sobered by what we're going to study. And I'm appealing to you, would you fix something that I think has been broken? There's a story in the Bible of a relationship that we're going to spend a little time around. And the relationship was between two generations. It was between two people that loved one another. Two people that had great fruitfulness together. Two people that produced amazing things together, but two people that did not stay together. Two people that ended up separating. Two people that ended up not living out their destinies in a way that they could have done. And those people were going to look at, and their names were Abraham and Lot. And if you want a title for today's message, I'm calling this message The Lot Factor. Everybody say The Lot Factor. Who was Lot? Well, Lot was the son of a man called Haran, and that man was the brother to a man called Abram. And so Lot was the nephew of Abraham, and what happened was that Lot's dad died, and Abram took on Lot like his own son. He took him on and he took him under his wing and he believed in him and he kind of added him into his family uh, in a way that was more than a nephew relationship. It was like a father-son bond that they had and Lot journeyed with Abraham for a long period of time. And I think that Lot has got a bad rap in a lot of pulpits around the world because I think we've said, you know, Lot was a bad guy and Abraham should have never took Lot with him and if Abraham hadn't taken Lot, then things would have looked different and Lot was nothing but trouble. But I beg to differ. I actually want to flip that on its head today because actually the Bible records in 2 Peter 2 verse 7 when it's looking back on the heroes of faith and the different people that have walked a journey and how God's extended his hand to people's life like Noah, Lot gets a mention and actually in 2 Peter 2 verse 7 the Bible records that Lot was a righteous man and it says Lot moved to a place that tormented his righteous soul. So actually, I wonder whether Lot just made some poor choices. But Lot was not a bad man. Lot was not useless. Lot was not a waste of space. Some people have said, well, God couldn't speak to Abraham until Lot left him. Not true, because God spoke to Abraham when Lot was with him. And he told him, I'm going to bless you, Abraham. I'm going to bless everyone that blesses you. Through you, I'm going to do amazing things. So, so Lot was there when God was speaking to Abraham. So I don't think God had a problem. 
And so I asked the question, how did this split happen? Why did this split happen? Was it right that this split happened? And is there a lesson that we can learn from the breakdown of Abraham and Lot? Because see what I see happening in a lot of the church is great people leaving great people for not very great reasons. I see a lot of separation happen and I am left wondering on the sidelines, was that a God separation or was that just a foolishness? Was that actually a self-centered choice or was it a God-centered choice? Because here's the deal. I believe we are losing a lot of ground all over the world because we keep splitting off and breaking down because we have not got the maturity to figure things out. And I'm appealing to a generation that maybe could do this well. I'm appealing to an 18 to 30 age band that maybe could find new language for the dilemmas that Lot found himself in. That maybe if you would be the ones that would be bigger than. Maybe people you've watched do this badly. Maybe if you would be the ones that would have a language that would keep things together instead of separating. Maybe we would reach more people. Maybe the church would have a bigger voice. Maybe instead of it being a hundred here and a hundred there, it would be thousands all speaking at the same time because we fought something. And I want to ask you, what would this have looked like if they had not separated? See, once they separated, Abraham was good. (laughs) Because God told him, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless all those that bless you. I'm going to bless people through you. So Abraham was good, but Lot didn't get good. Lot separated and then Lot's life took a turn for the worst. In fact, Lot ended up living near Sodom. Lot ended up getting kidnapped. Lot ended up losing everything and Lot ended up impregnating his daughters. That is not a good way to live out the rest of your days. Hello. But you can't stand back from that and go, well, it's all Lot's fault. Or see, you know, Lot just, you know, Lot and Abraham, you know, this was how it was destined to be. What if they had stayed together? How different would have Lot's life looked? I know Abraham loved Lot and I know that Lot loved Abraham. Bible records that Abraham went in to try and rescue Lot several times after he left because he loved him. He begged God to save him. There was a bond here, so the relationship was good. So how did it break up and what can we learn? Well, I'm going to take you to Genesis 13 where we see how this separation happened and maybe we can learn some principles in our ministries, in our journey, in our local churches, in our relationship structures because I know in this room today there are lots but there are also Abrahams. I've realized that I have been a lot but I've also realized I've now, I don't feel old enough but I've become an Abraham. And actually there's no actual age uh, recorded of, of Lot's age when we read this story, but the chances are he was in this age bracket. Because we know that Abraham was 70, we know that this was kind of like his nephew, so he was probably around that 30 age bracket, and so he would have right around been this time in his stage and this area of his life when the separation happened. So Lot and Abraham separate. Let's read the story in Genesis 13 and then I'm going to dig out some things that I've called the Lot factor. So Abraham went up from Egypt to Negev with his wife and everything he had and Lot went with him. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai where his tent had been earlier and where he had first built an altar. And there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Now, 
Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, also had flocks and herds and tents. But the land could not support them while they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. Let's just hold there for a moment. Here's the reason why these guys first contemplated separation, which to me is shocking. Because the reason why Lot and Abraham were even discussing separating is because Lot had a lot. Lot's lot had got so big and so prosperous that the land could not sustain Abraham's lot and Lot's lot. And so there was a problem that arose. It reminds me of a lot of situations I have seen in the church where there are people that their lot might not be cattle and sheep and silver and gold, but they have a lot of ideas and they have a lot of energy and they have a lot of things that they want to get out of their heart and they have a lot of ministry that they want to kind of do. And, but Abraham has a big ministry and he has a lot in his heart. And so now I have a lot and he has a lot. And so I'm not sure this church is big enough for the both of us. I'm not sure this youth ministry can sustain both of us because my greatness and your greatness keep bumping into each other. And I'm not really sure whether we can keep doing this because we have so much stuff. You are a generation that has so much stuff. Do not let your stuff stuff you up. Do not get confused between relationship and resource. Do not make a decision that will separate you for foolish reasons. And this conversation that I'm reading in my Bible, this story that plays out makes no sense when you step back from it. That the only reason we're going to separate is because we have too much stuff. Surely, surely to goodness, there's a better way to work out a way forward. Surely to goodness, we can find language as the lot generation that when our stuff gets in the way, we find a way to manage our stuff without throwing everything out. He said they had too much stuff. The land could not sustain them. They had become landlocked, or you could call it life-locked. And I believe that's where some of you are right now. You feel life-locked. You feel like you have all this stuff. You feel like you have all this energy. You feel like if somebody would only give me the space to do my thing, then I could get my thing out and it would be awesome. And I'm sure it would. And God wants you to get your thing out. And God wants you to be able to have your stuff, have space, but not at the expense. Not at the expense of a God-ordained relationship that God breathed over, that God gave you an Abraham. And God gave Abraham a lot. And now over stuff, we're going to say goodbye. I don't get it. And yet I see it all the time. I see where our stuff gets in the way. And it says the land could not sustain them. My question is, could we find a way as a lot generation to not make the same choice when we feel life locked? Could we find a different way? Surely, to goodness, there's enough of us to find a wisdom to figure this thing out. You know, my son Noah has just turned eight and Noah has a lot of stuff. Noah in his bedroom has more stuff than anybody needs in their bedroom. And Noah was getting locked into his 
space in the bedroom and his stuff was coming into the corridor and into our bedroom and into the garage. And so now Noah's Lego has taken over my new dining table. Noah's drum kit has taken over our garage. Noah's stuff on the computer has taken over the TV. Nice little area. It used to look pretty. Now it's got games and PlayStation stuff all over it. Noah is spreading out in my house. But at no point do I feel that my responsibility is to turn to my eight-year-old son and say, excuse me, Noah, your stuff and my stuff do not fit in this house anymore. So you need to pack up your stuff, sunshine, and get on out of here because this is my house. It makes no sense. Now, me and Noah had a discussion as he was approaching A about the fact that his room was being overtaken and the conversation was how do we make space so that Noah you can get the new present you want for your birthday in the room that's already overcrowded how do we make space Noah for you to get out what's in your heart and yet you not feel you have to move out to do that and so we came up with some solutions and it doesn't sound like brain science but in the church how much more do we need to come up with some solutions like hey Noah you've outgrown that let's put that in the attic Hey Noah, we could put this in storage for a while so that you have more room. Hey Noah, we could compromise about where we put this so that you feel you can express yourself and I feel I can express myself. Hey Noah, why don't we have a conversation and work together to make an expansion plan so you feel welcome and I feel welcome in the same space. And me and Noah, we worked it out. He got a new drum kit in his bedroom We rearranged the furniture and it looked bigger, did the room, than before we started. Why? Because we worked together to find a fit for us both to be in the same space. But here's what happens spiritually. We are are creating, we are creating a problem in God's house for a generation. We're creating a problem in God's house that says, we want you to go for it. And yet when you actually come to the house, yeah, well, actually we we preached it, but we didn't really mean it. Because actually we don't want your artwork on the wall because ours has been there forever and we like our artwork the way it is. And so actually, you know, you know, you can have your artwork in the toilet, but not on the main wall of the building. And so what we have is we have these break off movements that start happening because we feel like Abraham don't get me. And I, but they love each other. They love each other. So quick to pack up our stuff and walk out because we don't want the conversations that are going to take more time, more grace, more wisdom, more integrity, more of us actually having to go to God and figure this out. We don't want to waste our time because we want to go do our thing. And I believe that if we're not careful, what we will do is we will create... A misfit generation, not in a good way. We'll create a church where people feel they can never fit, they can never express themselves, and they are therefore missing in the church. And I see churches all the time where the lot generation walk out the door, and therefore we have Abrahams left, and we have the babies, the younger ones left, but we have no lot that speaks their language to bridge the gap, because Lot's out of here doing his thing, but eventually Lot will become Abraham. Hello? Hello? Me was Lot, me now and Abraham, not that old, give me a break, but you know what I'm saying, me now, me now was in this gap, me now have people that are there in that gap, and I don't want to lose Dave and Alves because I'm too foolish 
to make some space for them to get out what's in their heart. I had nothing to do with this conference. Nada, nothing. I just said to Dave, if you're short a speaker, I'm free, I'll come. And he was like, thank you, we need an extra speaker. So like, I'll be there. That was my bit, that was it. I have no idea what was going on the stage, what was going on the, on the lights, what was going in the foyer. They just asked for a budget, we gave them one, and they just got out what was in their heart. Who benefits? I benefit. They benefit. You benefit. Because we do it together. Maybe you are life-locked. Maybe you are landlocked. Maybe it's causing you to feel stressed out and under pressure. But can I appeal to you, lot generation? If that's where you find yourself, could you go to God to find some wisdom, to find some grace, to find some peace, to find a sense of, I'm going to make a plan. I'm going to make a plan and I'm going to make a plan that benefits all those that are following me and watching what I do next. It goes on to say that and the quarreling after it said that the possessions were too great and the quarreling arose between Abraham's herders and Lot's herders. And the Canaanites and the Perizzites were also living in the land at that time, which is an interesting side note because they're arguing that there's no space and yet in the space that they're all trying to find space lives the enemy. Hello? Maybe we just need to kick the enemy out and we'll have more room. Maybe we just need to focus on getting some stuff out of here and we'd actually have more space. And so there actually are other people occupying this land. So Abraham said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me. Or between your herders and mine. For we are close relatives. It says in the Life Application Bible. Here in this version. It says. For we are brothers. Which I think is significant. Because there comes a point where. You were the Abraham. And he was little old Lot. And he was cute. And he was sweet. But now he's not little cute Lot anymore. Now he's a grown man. And if you don't recognize. The relationship has now changed. That you're not little Lottie anymore. But you're actually now like a brother to me. He didn't say, I'm your, I'm your adopted father and you should submit. He said, no, no, no. He said, let's not argue because we're brothers. You know, one of the weirdest things that I've discovered in, in ministry is that in a time of blessing, brother often turns against brother. In a time of adversity, brothers get you back. But in a time of blessing, infighting breaks out like never before. In a time of blessing, everybody starts jostling for position. In a time of blessing, everybody wants to know, well, what's my part of the pie? In the time of blessing, there becomes these awkward tension conversations between brothers who should actually be putting their head together for the advancement of the kingdom. But instead, they're advancing their own kingdom and they want to know which line is here, which one's yours and which one's mine. Where does my power end and yours start? And Abraham was like, I don't want to do it. And you know what? We've got to understand that if you don't deal with this issue, we will have hostility in the church. And Abraham was saying, I can see it coming. I can see tension mounting. I can see there's going to be a big blowout. I can see your hot-headed herdsmen are getting mad with my herdsmen. And I can see tension is brewing. But instead of saying, then how do we diffuse it? They said, well, so we better separate. And I just think God's saying, surely you have the wisdom to defuse the bomb. This hostility. Some of you are right there. I know this is a hard word and it's not a woohoo because you're going to have to go away and do something about this. You're actually going to have to have the conversation you're praying God would take out of the scenario. Some of you are praying people out of your church. 
And God won't let them leave because he's wanting you to, to set a better model and talk about the conversation that everyone else is avoiding. This hostility that Abraham sensed, he's like, I, I feel it. I, I, I know that there's going to be a fight here. I know that there's quarrels already breaking out about wh- wh- where's my line and where's your line? Whose cattle's this and who cattle's that? And you know, when the squeeze is on, it reveals in your speech <laughs> how you respond to the squeeze is how you're going to speak. If you're feeling squeezed right now and what's coming out is I don't like my pastor and I don't like my youth leader and I don't like this church and I don't like these people and nobody believes in me and I'm sick of being overlooked, then the squeeze is revealing something you better fix. The squeeze, there was this tension, there was this hostility, there was this sense of they're stifling my creativity, they don't appreciate what I bring to the table and none of that had been said but I'll tell you what had clearly happened is that the blessing had began to separate them out and now their blessing is so big, it is becoming a burden to manage and so now I'm spending all my time managing my blessing while you're over here managing your blessing and now we don't communicate anymore. Because I'm so busy managing what I have been blessed with. We don't sit around a table anymore. We don't have coffee together anymore. We don't chat these things through anymore. When we didn't have this much stuff, we used to sit and we used to catch up and we used to diffuse situations. Be very careful, lot generation, that when God opens up a door for the book, when God opens up a door for the album, when God opens up a door for the ministry, when God opens up a door for leadership, be very careful that the blessing does not become something that you spend all your time managing and then you ignore the conversations and actually the conversation is the key of where the blessing came in the first place. It's hostility that clearly was going on. This is difficult. I kind of feel I need to stretch. I'm not sure. But all of that can be articulated. Do you know how many difficult conversations I have had over the last few years? Too many to remember. But I have decided I am going to talk this out. I am not going to let you walk out the door. I'm not going to have this unspoken thing go on. I'd rather we said it and we fix it. And then if you leave and I leave, at least we had a conversation. At least we bless each other in our going. But to to get to a point where there's just quarreling. And so we say, for the sake of peace, I'm out of here. I don't think that's God's best. I don't think that's a good reflection of the God we serve and the God we love and the Jesus I worship. Hostility is a real thing. Some of you are right there. You're feeling the hostility. You're feeling the sense of struggle. You're feeling the sense of wrestle. And I'm telling you, in times of blessing, the enemy does his darndest to separate brothers. Look at Joseph. Well, what, what makes you think you're some big shot with a dream? And I'm going to bow down to you. Who do you think you are? Hostility, when he should have said, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't know why God's lifting you up and not me at this season. But I'll tell you something. I'm going to pray for you. Because whatever you're about to go into is probably something that God is really going to have to watch you back for. And probably where you're going is probably going to be scarier than where I'm going. Where's that conversation? Jacob and Esau stealing one another's blessing. David, his brother's jealous because he got a blessing and they're like, we're not standing around watching this little snotty kid get a blessing. We're, we're, we're the oldest, we're the strongest, we're the more, where, where's that? All through the Bible you see it. Brother, blessing, gone. It's like it's too much, I don't like it. So when Ab stands up here, though I don't want her to say what she just said, 
I'm learning, I better receive it. Because we're modeling blessing. Not because it's just lip service, but actually what you see is actually genuine. That I love her and I love Dave and I love the team and I want them to succeed. And I won't always manage them right. And I won't always do it right. And sometimes I might go, oh, that should have been me, not you. Who do you think you are that you got that opportunity? Sometimes I may have those feelings. But that's okay because we are human. But if when I have those feelings, the next thing I do is say, well, you know what? See you, you ungrateful so-and-so. I'm out of here. Because this town ain't big enough for both of us. Then yet again, the enemy wins. Yet again, the enemy wins. And we go over here with our little Lottie group. And then we have our little Abraham group over here. And never the two will ever again meet. Hostility. Deal with the hostility. Don't ignore it. If you right now are having hostility brother to brother, please speak. Please speak. Please speak. Please talk. I don't know. Well, it's going to be awkward. Yes, it's going to be awkward. Yes, it is. I can't promise you it's going to have angels floating over the conversation. And you're going to say, brother, you're offending me right now. He's going to say, oh, I'm so sorry. I just humbly bow before you. I want to, I want to surrender to you. No, it's probably not going to be like that. It's probably going to be ugly. And they're probably going to say, well, you annoy me too, just so you know. And there's probably going to be a bit of awkwardness in it. But better the awkwardness than a separation you can't get back. Better. And Abraham's like, look, Lot, there's quarreling happening. And now it's not just happening here, but it's happening in the ranks because whatever you feed, they will eat. If you're feeding on the sense of hostility and overlookedness and whatever it is, you'll be feeding that to other people around you. Lot, they didn't talk, they didn't communicate. They lost that gift of just coming together. And diffusing the situation. Then it goes on to say, verse 9, Abraham turns to him and says, Is not the whole land before you? Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. That's why I'm saying to you, this is not a relationship that was bad. This is a, I don't get this. I don't understand this. I don't really want to separate. I, I love you a lot. I want the best for you a lot. This is not from a bad place. Lot looked around and he saw the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zor was well watered. Like the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt that was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself, note that, the whole plain of the Jordan. He set out toward the east and the two men parted company. And Abraham lived in the land of Canaan while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and he pitched his tent near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. You are at an age range where just like Lot, you have a lot of choice. And here's my appeal. Please, for all the sake of those around you, do not choose for yourself. Said Lot looked and he chose for himself what he thought would serve him best, what he thought would fit his purposes better, where he felt he would be kind of rewarded and productive and blessed. And so he chose for himself. 
Let's not have a generation of lots that survey the land and then choose for themselves. I'll take that person with me. I'll have that resource. I'll take that over there and I'll take that because I feel that will benefit what the Lord has called moi to do. You know, here's the other thing. The enemy is very good at presenting you opportunities. He loves to give you opportunities. Any opportunity that will take you away from the place of blessing, he's going to give it to you. You Go, here you are, have it on a plate. Go speak there, go do that. Go start that, go over there. Honestly, he does not mind giving you an opportunity if he knows that opportunity will take you closer to Sodom and further from Abraham. When you choose for yourself, you will always place your life close to Sodom. Because Sodom was a selfish-centered people that served self, loved self, abused self. Every time you choose for yourself, you move closer to a Sodom. And it won't be long if you now are so far from Abraham. It won't be long before Sodom has more of your ear, Sodom has more of your attention, And Sodom gets more of your time. And he said he moved to a place that was outside of Sodom. But then we read the Bible and it tells us that he ended up living in Sodom. Here's my greatest fear for this generation. That because we can't work it out, because we can't have the conversations, because we can't find room to allow each other to do all that God's asked, because we can't settle the hostility because we can't find a way forward we end up with a generation assigned to Sodom looking out for their own back doing it for themselves and I'm just saying to you I don't think this story needed to end this way I don't I don't think this was God's plan for Lot in fact I know it wasn't Abraham's plan for Lot because he tried to save him he begged God to deliver him. In fact, the next chapter is subheaded, Abraham rescues Lot. So Lot never left his heart. He loved Lot. How silly. How, what a miscalculation. If the thing that separates us is our stuff, our dream. Don't you think God is the one that gives all the dreams? Do you think that God would violate himself? Don't you think that God gives a dream here and a dream there and an idea here and an idea there and then he looks at you, his kids, and goes, find a space big enough for you all to live this out? And I just know that that period of my life, if I could say to my younger me, I just know that period of my life, there was a lot of temptation to ignore the hostility and just walk out the room. There was a lot of temptation to move near Sodom because it had more perks than it did for staying and figuring this thing out. (laughs) And yet I stand here in Bradford and I watch a screen with an arena on it. And I think of the things that God's allowed me to do. I think, God, why did I ever doubt you? I actually can stay. And I actually can work this out. And all the things I would have spent chasing in my sudden moment, in your grace, you brought to Bradford. Little old, insignificant Bradford. 
When everybody said, go here, go there, and they did. When everybody walked out the door because the tension was too high. When everybody said, I'm packing my stuff up to get my own space because this land can't sustain us both. I did choose to stay. It was hard. It's never easy. But here's the deal. You need to have an Abraham, okay? You need to have people that love you. I'm not saying stay where you're abused or you're treated badly or people don't allow you to get out what's in your heart. But I'm saying when you find that place of blessing, don't just shake it off like because of an argument, because of a a spatial issue. And in my heart, I look at this room and I think, wow, what does God want you to build? What church does he want you to plant? What ministry does he want you to launch? What space does he want you to flourish in? What area does he want you to grow? What dream has he given you? And as an Abraham, I pray that all the Abrahams in your world would say, how can I help you? How can I help you plan the expansion that's gonna bless all of us? How can I help you grow into the place that God wants you to grow? How can I resource you? How can I serve you? How can I get alongside you? And I want Lot to turn and say, How could I do this without you? I'd be foolish to think this blessing rests on me when I heard God say, Abraham, through you, all these people will be blessed. I would be dumb to think that this blessing is just something I can click my fingers and God's gonna give me. No, I think we're supposed to work something out. And so I'm asking you, this is a challenging word because it requires maturity. It requires wisdom. It requires conversations. It requires you putting some stuff into storage for a season so you can stay in the same house. Hello. Storage is not, storage is not, it'll never come down. Storage is let's build an extension and then bring your stuff down and let's put it in it. But if your stuff speaks louder, then you'll be like, I can't wait for the extension. I can't wait. I can't wait. I have to do it now. I have to plant the church now. Well, we're not ready to plant the church now. Yeah, but I have to. I have to get it out of my heart. I have to get it out of my heart. No, 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 no. You need to calm down. I want you to do this, but I want you to do it well. I want you to do it right. So trust me, let's do this together. Let's, let's just put that in storage for a few months and let's work a plan out. And, and then you will end up moving to Sodom to do it yourself because then I have to come and rescue you and you're going to be embarrassed and so am I. And so let's not have a bailout kind of deal. Let's have a follow the blessing of God kind of deal. Well, that means I'm going to have to put this in the attic for a while. Yes, you are. But it's okay. It's all right. It's just in the attic for a while. Not forever. I'm not going to lock the attic up and hide the ladder. There's been many times in my life I've had to put something in storage just for a while. Just for a while. Because the stuff does not matter as much as the significance of what God's called me to. The bigger picture is what I'm about. And I pray you be a generation. They're about the bigger picture all across the room you amazing lot people or if you're an Abraham what a gift what a responsibility what an amazing amazing sobering thought that there are lots around our lives that are looking to us whichever one you find yourself in I want to pray I want to pray grace I want to pray wisdom I want to pray stature Can we have a generation that has some stature? I mean, I'm all for the passion. Let's be passionate. 
But with our passion, let's have some stature. Let's have some humility. Let's have some grace. Let's have some conversations. Let's have some avoiding of the showdowns. If I'm going to fight, I want to fight what matters. I want to fight the enemy, not my brother.